0: Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com.
1: This week it's episode 197, and we're talking about wine travel, wine tasting around the world.
0: Well, this week for us has been uh, a bit of the same old, same old, and a bit of the, the special, special.
1: Yeah we had a normal week and then on Friday night we went up to Lee with um, a couple of friends of ours It was Robin's birthday so we went up to celebrate by going to a concert And we stayed over and went to the Matacana Farmer's Market which is one of our favourite markets in the whole world And uh, I had waffles for breakfast which always makes me happy
0: Mm, And I had freshly uh, freshly farmed mussels wrapped in bacon Mm. And uh, yeah that tastes good yeah, In case you're really, wondering,
1: <laughs> we really love going to the Matacana markets. It's just a really beautiful town
0: and the markets are really well done. I'm sure we'll be talking about Matacana later on because it's wine week here on the Indie Travel Podcast. Everything on the site this week is all about wine, drinking wine, enjoying wine, and traveling for wine.
1: Yeah, you might have noticed if you've been listening to us for a while or even just a short time, but we actually quite like wine. We enjoy it, and we're from New Zealand, which is quite a big wine producing nation. And we we enjoy the wine that our country produces, and also the wine that other countries produce. So it's a big part of our lives, and it's a big part of our travel as well. When we first started traveling, we'd sometimes choose destinations based on whether there was good wine from there.
0: (laughs) Yep. Now, you might be able to hear the uh, the builders making some noise in the background. My apologies if you can. Although we do enjoy drinking wine, we don't really enjoy listening to, to drilling and hammering, but... We've been stuck with it and we've soundproofed the room as best we can, so our apologies.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. We've got we're staying in a really beautiful place at the moment sharing with a couple of our friends and they've got we've got views out over the water. And unfortunately it's quite a sought after area and the people who live in front of us are rebuilding their house, understandably. And the people <laughs>
0: that live behind us are rebuilding their house yeah. and the people that live across the road are rebuilding their house as well. So. Yeah, so we get the noise. It's all good.
1: Don't forget that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. We also have travel deals updating daily at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals.
0: And you can also visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon when you're shopping online or grab a free audiobook with a two-week trial of Audible through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Audible or slash audiobook.
1: Well, we've talked about the Mongol Rally recently, which is an epic journey to Mongolia. And uh, the, the group that are going are fundraising at the moment. So if you're interested in winning an intrepid travel trip, then you should buy a ticket to the raffle. It's only five dollars and you can buy it between June the sixth and june the twelfth. So five dollars an entry for a chance of winning an entire trip. I think that's a pretty good
0: deal. It is. Um, I've I've seen the trips they've got going and they are Awesome. So yeah, and intrepid travels giving that away to um to Dave and Deb, to Sherry Ott, and to Rick, who we spoke to uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So put aside five bucks for the uh the sixth six of June to the twelfth of June this year, and we'll have some more information on site when the time comes.
1: Yeah, I would probably put more than five dollars aside. I think you know entering two or three times might be might be in your best interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're uh, you're funding a great adventure as well. So let's get on to talking about. Wine, wine,
1: wine, wine in the you know the tasty sense, not the annoying, complaining
0: kind of sense, yeah, thanks <laughs>
1: <laughs> well today's going to be a bit of a storytelling episode as we jump around four continents to um, tell you some of our favorite wine tasting stories and uh, warn you about some of the things we 've learned from all this
0: yes, indeed, well, um, why don't we start in uh In Europe, I guess it's one of the world's most prestigious wine regions, so we may as well start at the most prestigious of them all, Champagne.
1: Yeah, why not? Well, we were in Europe for quite some time, and we visited quite a few different places to taste wine, but I think Champagne was one of the most special. We were going there with my family, because my dad's a a journalist, and he writes about wine and travel and all sorts of cool things. So we're heading there with him and my brother and sister and my brother's, uh, sorry, my sister's husband. But unfortunately, my dad had to come home, all of a sudden his house flooded. So we ended up going without him. And we still had a great time. It wasn't quite the same without him, but it was still amazing. He'd organized meetings with a whole bunch of the the press people and the managing directors, a whole whole lot of vineyards. And so we got five-star treatment.
0: Mm, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, the thing that amazed me, if you visit Champagne, on the top, I mean, it's, it's lovely and quaint in some parts, but it's pretty... It looks like any other medium-sized French town. The trick is under the ground, where they have hundreds of square kilometers of cellars, which are filled with quality wine. It's unbelievable. The whole underneath of the town is just honeycombed.
1: Mm, it's amazing. It's not really a town. Like Champagne is more of the region, and there's lots of little towns that mm. that have vineyards around around the place. And each little town has certain wineries. But what I found interesting about Champagne was that it wasn't like you could just... If you lived in the Champagne region, you could just plant a vineyard. No, they were very, very carefully designated. This little square can be a vineyard, and the square over here, no, it never can. And they even designated what grapes could be grown in each patch of of ground. So pretty much, they fight and fight to have more land designated as Champagne, you know, wine land... But uh, it's pretty It's pretty small, you know, it's not yeah. even the whole yeah. the whole service area. It's just certain certain parts.
0: Yeah, and that's what keeps the prices up. I, will we be running your story on Champagne this week on Yeah, site? we'll be. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there, there'll be plenty more at IndieTravelPodcast.com uh, later this week. But I want to give you uh, my personal recommendation from all of the wines that we tried there in Champagne. The, the winery I'd never heard of before, but I thought was just amazing, is Ayala. Mm. A-Y-A-L-A. I really enjoyed it there and really enjoyed their Zero dosage Champagnes. Mm. Um... So yeah, go if if you see Ayala around, definitely pick up a bottle.
1: Yeah, when we were living in Perth, we were so lucky. I was I went into a liquor store one day and I saw a bottle of Ayala on special. Now, bearing in mind that it cost us twenty five euros to buy a bottle of Ayala at Salador, and in the supermarkets it was the same in Champagne. So that's that was the price. That was a starting point. We found it for fifty Australian dollars in Australia, which is approximately at the time it was approximately twenty five, maybe thirty euros. And so I bought a bottle, and it was just so good. You know, I just felt like I got the best deal in the world, you know, a bottle of champagne for 50 bucks, And it yeah. was really, really good, good champagne. We found it interesting that there's a real range of champagne. If you go to the supermarkets there, you've got really kind of crap level of stuff, right up to the, you know, the five-star kind of, kind of wine but uh, yeah we stayed kind of mid-range we couldn't really go too far out the other end Mm.
0: it was quite fun living in perth actually because um you've got the swan valley wine region just i don't know 20 minutes drive to the north yeah 20 minutes and so that was really cool um up there in the swan they're famous for their sov sem which is a blend of sauvignon blanc and semillon two great varieties and i don't know they're Coming from New Zealand, where Sauvignon Blanc is kind of the primary white wine that's that's drunk, that's put New Zealand on the wine map, it wasn't as as strong, as rounded, it was maybe a bit more flat than what we're used to, to drinking. But the Sauvignon gave it a whole lot of body and a whole yeah. lot of, uh, I don't know, just different flavours that came through and, and made it a really interesting drink.
1: Yeah, it was great. We'd, um, we didn't have a car most of the time we were in Perth, but when we did... The first thing we did was was head out to the Swan Valley and and hit three or four wineries. I think if you're going wine tasting, a thing to remember is don't try to do too much. When we were in Champagne, we had two days, and we went to three wineries on each day, and that was plenty. Same with the Swan. We usually go to three or maybe four. So don't try to do more than that because your taste buds will just stop functioning and you won't be able to distinguish. And also, I don't know, I think you get a better experience if you keep it
0: limited. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Because um, you know, if you get tired and you're a bit tipsy, I think you stop enjoying just driving from place to place. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I say driving, always have a sober driver. Yes, definitely.
1: In Australia, it's really good. Most of the wineries, as you drive in, there's there's a sign that says, "Who's the skipper." So it's asking who's who's driving, who's the sober driver. And quite often they'll ask you when you go in, you know, which one of you is the skipper, which one of you is, is driving. And they'll give you tastings, but they'll just give you really small ones. Or they'll, you know, they'll stop you after two or three tastes, mm. which I think is really responsible.
0: It is. It's good. Um, West Coast Australia, the most famous wine region is definitely Margaret River. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a couple of days down there and it was... Beautiful. Um, really, when we were there, I don't know if it was the time of year or it's normal because of the irrigation, but everything was so lush and, and so green, you know? You drive through Australia and there's there's lots of kind of dun colors, tans and browns and oranges. And, mm-hmm. and then around Margaret River, there was just this brilliant green coming off the vines and, and off other farms and things like that in the area. And... It was really refreshing, I think.
1: Yeah, it was great. We had such a good time driving around there and visiting some of the wineries. It was interesting, in Margaret River and also in quite a lot of other places, I remember in Austria there were quite a lot of Vinitex, and in Queenstown as well, there's often a store where you can go into and pay for tastings for a whole bunch of different wineries. So it saves you having to travel around, which can be quite a fun... Night out or afternoon out with your friends. If you don't have time to go from winery to winery, mm. we definitely prefer to go from winery to winery because you get the experience. You get to see what the um, what the vines look like and what the actual winery looks like, and see the staff and interact. And they tend to know their wines better, so you can talk to them about, ask questions, and compare similar wines. But I think these these Vinatecs are quite a good idea as well, mm. you know, especially if you're in a town where. You know, some of the wineries might be further away from town, might be difficult to get to. That can be a good option.
0: Yeah, my preference though is definitely for uh, going to each individual winery. It can be a pain in the butt, but you get amazing opportunities Mm -hmm. uh, often to speak with the guy who's in charge of making the wine or the girl who's in charge of making the wine. And um, that's one of the favorite things that I like around Auckland. There are four wine regions, uh, Waiheke, Matakana, Cumu and Clevedon. And especially in Matacana and Clevedon, you've got a reasonably high chance of actually talking with the guy that makes the wine.
1: Oh, they're quite often family-owned. You know, you've you just got a mum-and-pop kind of operation or, or a family operation where there's not very many employees even. And you walk in and you go, oh, when, when did you, when did you um, harvest the grapes? And they like, oh, I brought them in yesterday. I brought them in yesterday, you know. Me and my wife brought
0: them in <laughs> yesterday.
1: It's It's just a completely different experience to going somewhere like, in Champagne, for example, where you've got these huge operations that are multinational, most, you know known all around the world, versus this tiny little you know vineyard with, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> two people working yeah. out the back in That's a shed. That's right. And you can often find something really unique. Um, I think maybe the smallest winery we've ever been to might have been in Battambang in Cambodia. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, Southeast Asia isn't an area known for its wine, I think Southeast Asia is better known for its buckets of cheap, locally made spirits of dubious origin. Yeah,
1: but it was brilliant. <laughs> we, went, we went to Battambang and we got a, a tuk-tuk tour of the town. So we, we got to visit some caves where lots of people died. We got to visit a temple. We got to visit um, a winery. And we got to go on the Battambang bamboo train. So it was a really eclectic tour. And uh, the winery was, was pitched as Cambodia's first and only winery so we were hanging out to go there and we got there and we were really excited and they had two wines on offer and um but they could we could only taste one of them because the other one had run out not not the wine just the bottle that they had for tasting so we, we got to try one and we bought a bottle of the other one and uh, we had that with dinner it turned out to be quite nice it was much nicer than the one we tasted but it was just a real experience
0: it really was um and I don't know, there's something. I don't think it's, Cambodian wine is going to become financially viable or exportable so. no. any time in the next or ever. R- r- ever. <laughs> but um, it was really good fun. If you ever do go to Batambang and you're cruising around, uh, make sure this little winery is is on your stop, I one of if, your stops.
1: I think if you ever go to Cambodia, you should make Batambang a place to visit because it really is interesting. I mean, just We stayed there for two nights. We arrived in the afternoon of the first day. The second day, we, we did the tour, which took all day. And then on the third day, we left. And that, that was brilliant. I think another, another day would have been good, but I don't think you'd need much more than that.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, um, it's Cambodia's kind of rest stop. Yeah. Um, most people go to Phnom Penh and Siem Reap. Some people go down to the, sh- uh, the coast. Um, Badambang's a, a little provincial capital. Mm. and It was just nice lovely. And slow, and slow. It was and, nice. And really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, going back to Europe... Um, we had some really interesting experiences in Europe, wine tasting. I, I think I'll always remember Malta. Now, Malta isn't known for its winemaking, for good reason, because the wine is bad. But uh, we we really liked wine, and we really wanted to have wine with our dinner, so I'd buy this wine called La Cremavitis, and uh, we'd often have that with our dinner. I think it cost 65 cents, which is, uh, that was when, they still had the lira. Now they're on euros. I think it's about maybe two euros, probably about two euros, two euros, 50. It was so bad. It was so bad. This wine. We, we knew it was bad, but uh, we drink it anyway. And then when we went back to Malta a year later, we thought, okay, we'll buy this Lacrima Vitas and see how bad it was because, you know, at the time we didn't have any choice. If we wanted to have wine, that was what we could have.
0: Because it was all we could afford. Cause it was
1: all, all, all we could afford. They did have one wine for two lira, which would be... About 10 New Zealand dollars, about five euros. Um, we couldn't afford that. So I think we bought it once and it wasn't actually that good. So we went back a year later and tried the Lacrimovetus. It just tasted like vinegar. It, it was that did, bad. Yeah. It was tears of the vine, is what Lacrimovetus means. We just we just called it tears of just tears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our tears. Tears of the wine drinker, I think. Yeah, <laughs> well, from the disastrous to the sublime, um, one of my favourite. Um, wine experiences in Europe was when we were hosted by Wink Lorch up at Chalet Belena in the uh, the French Alps, and um, Chalet Belena is just um, I guess up above Geneva. <laughs> we flew into Geneva and headed north, and uh, it was our first night there. And Wink's a, a wine writer and wine educator uh, focused in on the the Savoy region. And she had prepared a nice little platter of food and a flight of half a dozen wines. and From the local region. From Yeah, from around the place. And it was, it was just brilliant. really cool sitting with uh, with her and her partner, Brett, and uh, drinking the afternoon away. It was, it was a lovely introduction to, uh, to the Alps.
1: Yep, Another place where we didn't go wine tasting exactly, but we got to try local wines, was in Neusilamsee, which was absolutely amazing. We were teaching at the time. And uh, so we're teaching at a school in this little town in Austria, and it was a Bihak Bihash school. So it was kind of a technical high school. And part of as part of the school, you could choose to do winemaking as a subject. So about a third of the students were learning how to make wine. And uh, as like a parting gift from the principal, he gave us all a bottle of
0: the school wine. Mm. And it was really good. It was. I mean... Well, And on that parting day, we all oh, drank man. enough of a lunch to not be able to walk back to the, uh, the accommodation. What happened was we <laughs> came into
1: the staff room after our last class, and there was a bottle of wine in each of our places as a, a gift. And then the, the principal came in and said, oh, um, I just wanted to say goodbye, and I've got this sparkling wine that I'd like to share with you. So he poured a glass for each of us. There were about eight of us there. So we had a glass, and he had to open another one to, to make sure it all went around. And so we had a drink, and he said, oh, another glass. So he popped up another bottle. Gave and then people were starting to leave. He said, oh, let's have another glass. And people started to say, no, no, no. He said, oh, look, it's
0: open. <laughs> so he put another glass. And then we had to compare that wine with some other wine from another, uh, the same region, another oh, yeah, winery. And then, yeah. oh, my god. And he's like, goodness. oh, you,
1: you guys have got your bottle of the, of the school wine, but you should try it before you go. I don't know what he was thinking, but...
0: Oh my I goodness. think he was just having fun, we sure were. Yeah. But uh, we walked back to our accommodation and we had planned to go out to the local vinitec and try a whole lot of local wines that afternoon. We went home and KO'd for a couple of hours. We did.
1: We woke up and we kind of staggered up to the because they they had one of these vinatechs which was brilliant, but we didn't drink very much.
0: No, but <laughs> it was it was a great afternoon there in Noisy um, yeah, Austrian brilliant. wine is really unknown but really fantastic. On the complete other side of Austria, down in the uh the southeast, we visited uh Sant Anna Amigen, oh, which was we've brilliant. spoken about before, and um yeah there was the Weinweg, the the walk around the farms and vineyards in the area where we you can pick up local food, local wine.
1: Because we did this walk, yeah. but it was winter, so all the wineries were closed, so we couldn't visit them. But the idea is that you walk from winery to winery and, and stop and have a drink and a glass of water and then walk on. We just did the walk. It took us about two hours, I suppose. And mm. it, was, it was really pleasant, but yeah, it was a bit of a pity we couldn't visit. Yeah. However, this disappointment was made up for because they had a local vinitech as well. And on Saturday night... Uh, they had a, a Juncker festival in the Vinatik, so all of the new wines that had been bottled previously were being opened for the first time to be tried to see if they were any good. And uh, so Juncker, they were the young wines. And so all of the, the winemakers were there in the middle of the Vinitech wearing their funny hats, and you could just grab a glass and, and get a taste of whatever you wanted. I think we paid four euros entrance fee or something like that. And we were guests of honor because we were the Kiwis. <laughs> yeah. And we'd also gone out with some um, some teachers earlier in the week, and we'd asked for a, 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 t- a type of wine that they didn't have at the restaurant. And so the teachers got us, and they said, "Oh, you guys didn't try that wine. You know, you'll have to come over here to the to the counter, and you can try it." So they brought out three different types, and like, "Oh, and you haven't." And they just kept giving us different types of wine. It was quite nice.
0: It's a good problem to have. Yeah. A good problem to have. <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, when we were in Uruguay, staying with Matias and, and his family. Oh, um, yeah. We're at, at the family family house in, in Montevideo, staying with friends of friends. And about we arrived in Montevideo about 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening, and were collected from the from the bus station with the friends we were traveling with, taken back to the house around... 10 o'clock it was decided that we should start preparing dinner now yep. this was this was great news to to us because yep, we we'd hungry. been stuck on the bus all day we had a mission of a,
1: of a journey so yeah at about 10 o'clock we decided to have dinner so matthias and craig went off to the supermarket to to buy some food they got back about what 11
0: took a yeah, long time Yeah, I guess time. so. Yep. It, yeah i mean it was a 10 minute walk each way and then we had to go around the supermarket but yeah. we came back with a Whole lot of meat, some veggies, and a couple of bottles of wine. It being a first day in the country, I really wanted to try some of Uruguay's wine. I thought they try were fantastic, yeah. and uh, so I picked up a couple of kind of mid-range to upper-range bottles that were still affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, about fifteen dollars each, I think, and um, brought them back to the house along with dinner.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the cooking began. But in Argentina and Uruguay, the way of making a barbecue is a little bit time-consuming. First of all, you have to start the fire, then wait for the fire to die down to coals, and then you push the coals across, and it's under a grill, and then you put the meat on top. So it takes quite a long time. So we eventually ate at about 1 o'clock in the morning, by which time antigenine and Janine were basically falling over with, um, with, with hunger. Uh, but during this time, we drank the wine that Craig had bought. And um, Matthias' dad came home and joined us, and it was really nice. And then the wine ran out. We were all a little bit sad about that, and Craig was talking about going back to the supermarket. Not that was really a viable option because it was about half past midnight. But Matthias's dad said, no, no, I see that you guys like good wine. I see that you can appreciate it. I have a cellar. So he went downstairs and pulled out some just spectacularly good wine, like really top-notch stuff. And he said, I'm very happy to share it with people who like wine. And we we're like, we're very happy that you're sharing it with us.
0: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, that's only about half the stories we've got in our notes. And that's only about a third of the places and, and stories that we originally brainstormed. But um, we are already at 20 minutes on this podcast. So I guess we ought to wrap up. If you had one more place to talk about, Linda, where would it be?
1: New Zealand definitely wine tasting anywhere in New Zealand is brilliant but I especially like wine tasting around Queenstown um for example was it Shard Farm mm-hmm. getting to Shard Farm is an adventure in itself because you have to drive along this road that's alongside the Kawara River and that's just one of the most beautiful rivers in the world I think with the um the, the bridge across it where bungee jumping was born and, and anyway but to get across you have to go across um a little gorge and then drive along the this narrow little road to get to the end, to get to the winery. And it's scary. But uh, you're awarded at the end by good wine.
0: Yeah, it's good fun. Um, so you're, you're going to Gibston Valley, the area around Queenstown, New mm-hmm. Zealand. I love it down there um, because I know the Auckland wine region so well I'm always drawn there but I'm thinking of when we visited the oldest vineyard in South America. Now I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called but it's near Huacachina in Peru oh, yeah. and I'd never heard of
1: Ica. Peruvian it's wine. Yeah there's a few win- wineries near Ica. Mm. Was that the one where we got to crush grapes with our feet?
0: No, but that was later the same day. That That was was, a
1: brilliant afternoon. That
0: was good fun. Yeah, we, yeah, it was good fun. (laughs) We got some good
1: pictures of us in with the grapes. It was quite fun.
0: (laughs) It was a great afternoon. So, yeah, if you are in, Peru, lo and behold, they they have wine, and they've actually got the oldest vineyard in South America, mm-hmm. um, as far as anyone can date, the, the first grapes that were planted on the continent. Yeah. So thanks to them, we've got, um, we've got Chile, we've got Uruguay, we've got Argentina, and yeah. all the great wines they produce, um, but it all started a little bit further north.
1: I'm really looking forward to going back to South America and doing some wine tasting in Chile, because we couldn't do it last time, we planned to, mm. but then the earthquake changed our plans, and also in Bolivia. Uh, near the border with Argentina, I heard there's some quite good wineries yes. around there that I'd like to try.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, we really enjoyed the wineries up around Cafayate, which are uh, near Salta, mm-hmm. which is almost in the same region.
1: But we found it strange when we were in Cafayate when we went to the wineries, and they had a wide range of wines on offer, but they only let us taste the really crap stuff. Yeah. It was really strange, because, you know, as people who like wine, we've we've tried the not so good wines in the past and you know quite often if something's going to be too expensive for example when we're in Mendoza we went to a winery and they were going to charge us the equivalent of it was, I think it was $20 each to taste three wines so instead we just said nope we went to the supermarket and spent that money on I think about four wines and then sat around and talked crap about what we thought about it and, and that, that ended up being a much better experience
0: and that included the wines that we were going to be able to taste it was yeah. ridiculous it was absolutely so it, ridiculous it was madness yeah. um so yeah, the the infrastructure in Argentina we just haven't enjoyed. I don't know what's up with it, but um, I have a
1: theory about it. I think oh, yeah. that they're trying to educate people about wine. And so we in this one where we didn't get to try very good wines, they gave us a really good tour and explained the wine making process. And a lot of these people haven't drunk a lot of wine, so they were explaining the difference between you know sweet wines and non sweet wines, and comparing, for example, um, two different varieties of red. And it was quite educational, but it was very entry-level educational. And that wasn't the kind of wine tasting we usually
0: do. Mm. Oh, well, that's, I mean, just a few, very few of the experiences we've had. But I hope you've enjoyed hearing about them. Um, There's so many more. We're going to be uh, putting stories up on site this week at Indie Travel Podcast. And, um, yeah, so other people as well are, are writing Something for Wine Week.
1: Yeah, and come by the um, Indie Travel podcast and write about your experiences in the community because we'd love to hear about what you have done, what wine tasting you have done, and how was it, and everything. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so many stories we've missed out on, and so many people that we've shared a bottle or two with. Thank you to all of you. You yeah, enjoyed
1: it. We've loved it, and, and I uh, hope you have too.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, into the uh, the community this week, we've got some uh, some thoughts on travel medicine, which is developing interestingly.
1: Uh, Steve is looking for advice on a trip to Prague.
0: And also on a trip to Bratislava that's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And we're also talking about train travel around Europe. So uh, come and sign up at com slash community, and that will allow you to post in uh, the status updates, upload your photos, your trip reports, and uh, join in on the forums.
1: Yeah, we'd really love to hear from you and hear about your stories and to talk about anything you'd like to talk about
0: yeah hey I just want to mention something we haven't talked about yet is uh, for people going to Thailand and Laos this year Stray Asia is having a two for one sale that goes until the end of May so that gives you just a couple of days Uh, it's advertised on the site if you go to the Thailand or Laos page you'll see the ads for it Um, but click through those links and if you buy one pass for the hop on hop off backpacker bus in Thailand and Laos Um, you'll get another free pass for your friend or partner.
1: Yeah, and if you're thinking about it, then you should definitely do it because it's a really good deal. And also you can find out about our experiences by looking on the site because we talked about how we found it. We found it very good.
0: (laughs) Indeed we did. It was great. Um, Remember to put 5 bucks or more aside for the big Mongol Rally raffle that's happening June 6 to June 12. We'll tell you about... More about that next week?
1: Yeah, but you can win a trip from Intrepid Travel and help fund a great adventure this year, so it's definitely worthwhile for you and for them.
0: Yep, it's a win-win. It sure is. <laughs> you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us, so visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. We've also got travel deals updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. And
1: don't forget to type in IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon when you're shopping online, or you can get great trial bonuses from our partners. Uh, download a free audiobook with a two-week trial of Audible through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Audible or slash audiobook, and get a two-week $1 trial of the Travel Hacking cartel at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Travel Hacking.
0: I think we're under attack. There's a, <laughs> there's a biplane going overhead. <laughs> Far out. Well, it's not World War II week, it's Wine Week here on the Indie Travel Podcast, so make sure you visit the site later this week and see a pile of new stories about wine and travel all over the place. If you're listening to this show in the distant future, just Google for Indie Travel Wine Week and I'm sure that'll pop up first. Yeah, or go to the site and use the keyword wine. That should work quite well.
1: For some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about the Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Well, I think that's pretty much us for this week, for this wine week. So until next week, travel well.